Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spiegel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is expanding your Shopify product offerings through partnership. Today's guest is the CEO of Carol, a new e-commerce partnership network used by over 30,000 Shopify brands. GetCarol.com helps brands gain attention, sales, and new customers by partnering with other brands within the network. A big hello to David Perry. Hi, David. Hey, thanks so much for, for inviting me. You know, we're excited to have you and we're excited by this concept. To start with, let, let me ask you, it says by partnering with other brands, is brand the same thing as a store? That's absolutely true, yes. So okay. basically, we, we actually think of, of brands as being more than just brands. That would also include um, influencers because we, we believe they're brands too. Okay, so, but do they need to, do the influencers need to have a Shopify store? Yes, yes. So they, um, it, it's kind of funny, honestly. Um, there's an awful lot of influencers in the world don't know who they influence, meaning for years they've been sending their clicks to other stores like Amazon, taking a few percent and then not knowing who that was. Whereas um, if they have their own Shopify store, they get the retailer cut. So they get like 30%, 10 times more, and they own the customers. And so then they can leverage those customers to create new deals um, in the future. Well, that's a really interesting concept. So let's go through it. How does it work? How, why, if somebody has a Shopify store, first of all, how does it benefit them to partner with other Shopify stores? And how do they get those products on their store? Um, well, basically what happens is we, we had this idea of, of trying to sort of make things more efficient. So today people buy products um, and, you know, wholesale, they have to guess the sizes and the colors and things, and then they, they move them somewhere um, to store them. Moving products before they've sold is incredibly inefficient. So the thought was if we have a network of brands and you'd like to work with a snowboard company, for example, why can't we just take the descriptions, the product photography, and, and basically move that over to your store. So you can go ahead and sell the product, but we didn't have to actually move the products into your warehouse. And by doing that, that makes the whole system way more efficient. For so are, for, well, for influencers, that's critical, right? Because they don't want to touch the product. So are you, you're partnering with your competitors? I mean, are you partnering with people that are same in the, selling the same stuff? Um, no. So to be clear, what we're, we are the, the technology that enables people to collaborate. So think of us as a giant network of brands and the brands, um, they generally, you know, someone will sell makeup, but not they won't sell makeup brushes. A good example is, is a site that sold bicycles, but didn't have helmets. Okay. And so we say, why don't you sell helmets too? I mean, ultimately they're going to go to Amazon and buy their helmets if you don't sell them one. Um, and so, then they, they start curating and choosing their favorite helmets. 
But by doing this virtually, which is the cool part, is that that means that they can have all the helmets in all the sizes. Basically, the, the inventory that the supplier has becomes their inventory. Got it. And so let's say I'm a, I'm a Shopify owner and I'm, I'm selling. Let's go back to snowboards. Say and I want to partner with somebody who sells skis. Those products are appearing on my website? Yes, exactly. And the transaction is happening on my website? Yes, the uh, you're, you're, it, it, to the consumer, there's no difference. So, so how come, how is the product getting fulfilled? The the delivery will actually happen from the the supplier. So that if you think about, it, you've got the retailer side who's out selling it. The supplier will actually make the delivery. And we're all pretty used to getting multiple boxes these days, yeah. um, you know, at our doorstep. But where it's going in the future is Shopify is investing very heavily into fulfillment. So they're going to be somewhat like Amazon with very intelligent um, delivery systems. So in the future, if you bought a helmet from one company and a gloves from another, they'll go in the same box and be delivered next day because they'll end up coming from a, a Shopify fulfillment center. That's really the, the future of this stuff. What if somebody that you're partnering with jerks around and doesn't send it out for two weeks? Isn't that going to um, well, reflect bad on you? Is your story? oh no, yeah? I mean, obviously, if 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 someone isn't delivering, then you would immediately cut ties with them. Um, it's kind of a disastrous problem for that company because they're going to lose ties with thirty thousand other brands. So you know, if you act up, do you really want to get kicked out of a network of thirty thousand brands that are are um, you know potential future partnerships? It's it's a very very bad move. Um, and so ultimately, yeah, that's just normal. Um, network reputation systems that um, will take care of that. What if there is a customer service issue? Uh, I mean, going back to this example, okay, so somebody buys skis and they're too small. And I offer free returns. The person I part, I mean, is there a, a return policy that's the same across the whole partnership network or how does that work? Yeah, it's important to think about this as, um, and this is this is honestly, you're getting into the very, very good points that you can imagine how complicated something can get um, if you end up, um, you know, trying to force everyone to do something a particular way with all the different software stacks and everything else. It's just not possible. So what happens is where we've built it in a very flexible way, which allows the brands to have the relationship between them that they want. So if if two brands for example, if you won't work with me without a contract, no problem. You can have mm -hmm. a contract. If you say no, but I won't. I don't want you doing the returns. I want to do the returns. No problem. Um, it's it's basically we've tried to make it as as flexible as we possibly can, so that ultimately the brands determine their relationships and how they work. But what we are doing is the hard part, which is making it so that the inventory becomes seamless. And, uh, and it's something that brands want so much that, that a whole bunch of brands have tried to do this themselves, you know, using, you know, spreadsheets and things like that, just trying to, trying to find a way to get it done. And they can't because it, it just it requires technology and most of them don't have engineering teams. So by, by us building all of this tech and dealing with all of the edge cases, it creates a very, um, a very cool service for them to be able to drop right into. So what about, you, you, we talked about the payments and all and the inventory, what about the creative, the images, all, all that stuff? 
Yeah, you see, I mean, you're, you're dead on again. Some brands are very happy to, they love the product photography they're given. Some say, no, actually, the photography has to look a certain way or there has to be a model in the photography or there has to be some rule. Um, and that's, we have to allow that too. So, so you can, um, you can edit the, the, and change the, the actual pages for the products. And again, the brands work together on this. They, they collaborate. I do want to be clear that, that what's happening is this isn't happening in a vacuum where no one knows anybody else. Um, we're, we're, we're constantly trying to introduce them, them to each other. Um, and then they have these conversations um, back and forth on, on, on how they want to run the relationship. But I think what, what I'd like to see long term is to have more brands doing this in a way where they're actually, um, in a way, helping each other grow. It's a bit like your podcast. There's people out there that are very happy to help others learn. And, and in doing so, um, with, with a, it's sort of a network behavior I'd really like to nurture to get more and more of that so, so that people um, um, help each other. Like, for example, if two brands decide to, to do, like they, they were test selling their brushes, but now they'd like to add their logo to that brush. Um, how easy can we make that? Can we give them a template contract for that? Um, is there a, um, a blog post or a tutorial on on the, the you know the, the the best ways to go about white labeling together and things like that? So you can see how that's a network behavior that we want to nurture. But to try to have the network help the network, that's what I'd love to see happen. Now, so everything's really up to kind of negotiations. It seems mm -hmm. like what what about the um percentage breakdown is that also negotiated like some or like i'll give you 10 percent if it sells on your i'll give you 30 percent. i mean is that all negotiated too between yeah members? so um so it's it's it, we tried to make it simple to start so um the you know if you just came in um easily you can start with just setting a a, a number for your brand so this is what you know i'm willing to share and, and the idea is to create a hook to get people to come in and, and collaborate with you. So, you know, if you're more generous with margin, you're going to get more people that want to work with you. If you're, um, you know, really stingy and you won't give up any margin, then you're going to have a hard time getting people to do this. I think what I, what's important is to step back and think about why would you do it? And the reason is, is like our network has, has currently, um, uh, thanks to, to Black Friday, we're now over 400 million visitors um, a month. And with 400 million people hitting the edge of the network, um, if you think of those as, as all frontline retailers trying to sell products, um, if you can get your product into their store, you're getting their traffic for free. And so the idea of getting, it's sort of this, this epiphany that, that brands have, wait, if I can get my products into a whole bunch of frontline retailers that are in real traffic, I'm going to get a lot of awareness on my products for free every day for now into the future. Um, and, and then you say to them, well, how much attention do you want? And the answer is, well, how much can I have? And the answer is, well, it depends on if you've got a cool product that people want to sell and you're offering um, a, a decent margin. And so you can see how that's a very healthy thing, right? Yeah. It, it sort yeah. of takes care of itself. Now, you have all these members, 30,000 members, you said. And so it now, I mean, it, you know, I, I could see the, the definitely let's do it. How did you grow it to that many? How, you know, when you launched out and you uh, said, hey, you want to be in it? I got five members. 
I got 10 members. I got a hundred members before you got to this amount where you had 30,000. What was the, what was the big, I mean, you have a big reason now why somebody would join. What was your big reason then? We actually have this idea of the company having three legs to it, like a tripod. And the, the, the trick is always to, to ask a question that, that people actually care about. So, um, you know, how much awareness would you like for your brand? And in reality, I've never met a single brand that said, no, 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 please, no more awareness, right? It's, it's the exact opposite. They just can't get enough. No matter how much awareness they get, it's never enough. And, and that's why Google and Facebook exist because they sell awareness. And so this is, this is an insatiable thing. So you say to yourself, well, who has an abundance of awareness? And the answer is influencers. But um, I started doing photography as a hobby and I found no one cared about my photography until I shot influencers. And it's because, you know, when, when you take a picture of them, their fans kind of go crazy. They want to meet this person. They're trying to get to them through me. It's hilarious. Um, and when you spend time with influencers, the number one complaint they have is that they're always being asked by random brands to do things that they can't, they can't align with because they don't use those products. Mm-hmm. So there's people sitting going through Instagram profiles thinking, oh, I'll try to get them to sell my candles. And it's like, I don't use candles and I can't suddenly start hawking candles to my to my audience. So that authenticity is critical. So the question we asked ourselves for this first leg of the tripod, if we're gonna get them lots of awareness, how can we connect them to the influencers that actually like their products? And so we started building technology to try to get a feeling for which brand or which influencers like certain brands and and then we connect them and we, we created this um, really cool system that invites the influencer to shop for free they get an email out of the blue from a brand that we think they like and it says um, you know hey this is such and such a brand um, we love what you do on social media please stop buying our products here's a special link so you can shop for free they um they usually respond, oh my God, I love your brand. I've been buying your products for years. And and that is how we got um, started. You can imagine that was very exciting for influencers and also for brands because they, they weren't getting the cold shoulder. They were getting, oh, this would be so great. And even Facebook and, and um, Instagram wrote a success story on it in, um, in Facebook for developers. Um, so did you start then with those influence by helping them set up a Shopify store and bringing in those products? No, this, this initially was just a focus on that first leg, which is attention. So the way to get more attention is to get influencers willingly posting about your products. There's a secret there. It's a dirty little secret is that a lot of the, a lot of the influencers actually really hate promoting things that they don't like. And what they do is they delete the post the minute they're legally obliged to or allowed to. Um, so the, the, the minute that contract expires, that post is getting deleted. They don't want it in their feed. They don't want to be associated. Um, whereas if, you, if, if it's something they use every day, like it's the makeup they actually use, um, then they leave those posts up because they, they have an affinity with that brand and they want that relationship with that brand. So that's very important. So that, that's that first piece. What happened though is COVID. Um, COVID hit and we all sat there going, hmm, I'm not so sure brands are as excited about um, attention right now as, um, versus sales. Mm-hmm. So the second leg of the um, became a, a, just a rigid focus on sales. 
And, you know, just like attention, how much sales would you like? The answer is unlimited. So, so therefore you have to start thinking about, well, how can we get them sales? And that's when we noticed just how big the network was becoming um, traffic wise. And the most expensive thing to get sales is, um, is obviously um, trying to keep enough people coming through and, and getting the highest amount of revenue per sale. So your average order value becomes life and death. If you've got a good average order value, um, you can afford marketing. Um, another thing you hear a lot is when brands pitch, they tend to bridge um, GMV. So how much, how much sales have they got? But in reality, what really matters is net profit. And that comes after paying all the staff and the warehousing and all the cost of goods and everything else. And, and making net profit is a lot harder than making gross sales. So the thing that's kind of cool about this system is if you sell a product, like if I add someone else's brush with my makeup, um, I get to keep the, the retailer cut, which is usually around 30, 35% of the sale, mm -hmm. but that goes straight to net profit. That's not burdened by, you know, insurance and freight and, um, you know, all, all the cost of goods and everything else. That's just straight to net profit. So you're usually, if you're selling somebody else's standard, you said is about 30 or 35%. Yeah. So you need to have a pretty good margin to, to participate in this if you're going to give up that. Well, it, it depends. You find that there's obviously there's all kinds of margins. We have electric bikes and it's, it's less, but the sale price is higher. So it just depends on the different categories. Um, but that's what we're seeing people um, on average um, share with other people. Do and you have to share your entire product offering? on your website say there's certain certain products you have a better margin um, than others that you'd be willing to do do you have to put in everything or can you say you know enter these into the partnership portal that's a great question um i think today we're currently still doing the all of the products um but again in the, in the form of everything going on behind the scenes communication wise you can say to somebody I'm, I'm willing to do my helmets and nothing else. And so, you know, these are the only products that I'm willing to actually sell and that you can add to your store, so be it. Um, and they would then add those. To be clear how that works is we have this one-click system where that one-click adds the, the, the um, product information, um, price and everything else directly into your inventory. So then you can merchandise it. So I, I, I kind of want to be clear that we never place products on your site. We don't mess with your site at all. That would be very dangerous if we just started randomly putting products into your store. Um, what we do is, is we put it into your inventory, which is in your Shopify um, you know, main admin. You can go into that dashboard and there in your inventory, you'll find the, the, the partner products. So you see what I mean? It's not like it's just this automatic sort of thing where suddenly all of someone's products appear on your site or something like that. Right, just, right. just to be clear. Yeah, no, that's that's a, I'm glad you cleared that up. Do people advertise other people's products? Or is you it know, just when people comes to your website if they see other people's products and buy it? Yeah. Um sometimes um if the brands are smaller that they want that. So they want as much um attention as people if someone else is willing to pay to advertise my product then then great, you know, they can go out there and buy those keywords and, and go for it. Larger brands tend to be against that. So really large brands don't want any competition for their keywords. Exactly, yeah, that's and, what and, I was thinking. And, and so they'll they'll tell the, uh, you know, they'll just make that a rule. If you, I'll partner with you on one condition, you don't buy my keywords. 
right? Or right. is there map pricing issues? I guess that would be the other one. Yeah, the, um, the pricing in general is agreed, uh, once again, between the brands, um, if they can discount or if they can't. Um, are, you know, we, we have, we've got some inbuilt systems, like, it, you know, you can set it in a, in a, in a, an automatic way. So if someone changes the price, it just puts it straight back. Uh, like to stop it, like them even being able to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but in reality, no, we, uh, we, it, it, it comes down to the relationships again between the brands. What we find, by the way, is a lot of brands already know each other. So um, they already know who they really like and who they like to partner with when they arrive. And if we don't have that brand, they tend to invite them in. Like if, they, if that other brand installs our tech, then we effectively bridge the two brands and they can start working together. And, and that's actually a pattern we see sometimes, you know, quite surprising, you know, you, you'll get one brand bring in 10 other brands um, um, that they want to partner with. And that's, that's, um, that's been kind of fascinating to see how that network already pre-exists. Mm -hmm. So what, what do I need to join? Can I open a Shopify store, put up my three make each click count books, and bring in a whole bunch of other products or, or is, you know, is there a minimum number of yes. products I need to have on my website in order to do this? Yes. Um, and we've currently got um, a, a gate and the gate is, is $5,000 a month. So you need to be selling $5,000 a month. Um, um, if not, we actually, we actually tell you um, to, that maybe you should be using the other piece and work on your attention and try to get your sales up using uh, working with influencers. So, you know, why so you, you offer that you offer an influencer influencer service as well. Yeah. So that that's um, that's free. And uh, and so people can come in and, and try to use the influencer side. If your store doesn't have any sales at all, meaning you just set it up, um, then you won't have any influencer history or, or uh, you know, anything for us to sort of work with data wise to try to work out who likes you. Um, and we all you also wouldn't have any sales, so you wouldn't pass. So if you're a completely new brand, that's not really what Caro is built for. It's built for, you know, brands, you're you, effectively, you're trying to supply, um, uh, or we're trying to get relationships to form. So you need you need some history or some evidence that you're somebody that people would want to partner with. And, um, and, and then, then you get in and, and it's not that high, uh, that's not that high a thing in the future. We may think of, of ways to, to bring that down. But for now, that's, that's just a gate that we're using. Why just Shopify? Well, we chose Shopify actually to test this idea and, um, yeah, I'm feeling really lucky that we did because Shopify is on fire yeah. and you know, they're just, they're killing it. And so we're super, super pleased. And they're, the, the people there are awesome. And so they've been very supportive and helpful throughout the entire process. So, so you know, they have 2 million brands on Shopify and that's, that's quite the playground for us to prove this all out. Um, and so that's why we've remained um, there. Um, you know, if, if some point in the future, we start to feel like that's restrictive in any way, of course we can add more platforms. But, um, but as of right now, we're just really, it's, it's, it's making the engineering side easier, having one clean um, platform. But, but our sort of vision for the long-term future is to bridge the different um, surfaces that are out there. And that would include social media so that we can help brands um, effortlessly, you know, deliver their marketplace to all 
um, all the various services, so selling direct into Instagram, for example, or TikTok. The idea being that influencers, while I think it's good for an influencer to have a store, I don't want to pretend that they want to run a store. So um, what we the store would be more where the, the business deals get done and then, then the actual posts would just keep going into social media like normal but we would be the bridge between their marketplace and their social media to make that possible to be effortless. And do um, you, um, do you offer any conversion tools for your partner sites? Um, not yet. No, um, no, not yet, but, um, it's a great question and it's the kind of stuff we should be delivering in 2022. All right. Give it to me. What is your favorite success story of one of your clients that you can share? Um, I'm loving seeing some of them are actually really interesting. Like we have, um, we have a, a brand called Teddy and Bear, which is run by an Olympic gold medalist and an NFL player. And we're powering about 95%. If you go to teddyandbear.com, it's just a beautiful site and they're curating um, kids products and, you know, just seeing them being able to now have their own business. Um, and grow as much as they want to because they can add as many products as they like without all the risk and burden with all the warehousing. It's, it, to me, it's just a, a beautiful execution. And it shows, um, again, about 95% of it is, is, is from Caro. Um, I think that's a good example of things. Another one is, is a, there's a, a company called Blendjet and Blendjet's killing it. And what Blendjet... Blendjet makes these these uh, portable blenders, and, and the concept is that when you blend something and you don't drink it right there and then, it, you know, everything settles. The idea that you can give it a quick zap right before you drink means you're drinking it beautifully blended all the time. And so they have a USB charger um, thing, but they, they came to us and they said, hey, what about all the products that go in the blender? We can't really make money from that because we don't have refrigerated warehousing, so we can't sell all those different things that you could put in a blender. And so, of course, we can help with that. And so now they have a marketplace. If you go to blendjet.com and click marketplace, you'll see they're selling a bunch of products. And those are all upsells. If you think about it, you're selling the blender. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a great application of your service. That's, that's yeah. pretty cool. You know, one of my favorite questions um, that I ask in every podcast interview is, are there any business books out there that you can attribute to your journey as an entrepreneur? Yes. Um, you know, I, I tend to just, just to be clear, I tend to, um, do audiobooks. I'm all about audiobooks, and I, and I have to drive to Los Angeles sometimes, which is some of the worst traffic in the world. So it's perfect because I arrived somewhere more educated than I left. Um, there's a book um, which I really liked, which I quote quite a lot. Is uh, the, uh, it's this persuasion book from um, Richard Cialdini. Um, that's one you want to look into. Um, I think it's called Yes, like the Power of Persuasion or something like that. And they just did a new version of it, and so I have that um, currently on my on Audible. I'm listening to that. Um, Great. There's there's one other one that I tend to re refer to quite a lot. Is something called the irresistible offer. Um, I ended up sort of taking this book and then writing my own version of what I think the irresistible offer is. But there's there's a set of things that you must offer to somebody for them to make a decision. And so if you ever are making an offer to someone and wondering why they're not, you know, clicking yes or deciding, 
you're probably missing one of these parameters. And it's all things like, you know, what is it? Um, why, why should I care? What does it cost? What's in it for me? Um, what do I have to do? All of these kind of things. So once you make, I'd highly recommend like, uh, you know, sort of if you listen to the book more as, uh, and it's short, it's not even a long one, but, but it's, it's the kind of one that, that causes you to sort of every time I'm in a meeting now and I hear, I see someone expecting someone to click something or pay for something. It's like, well, they're missing some key points here that, that is going to really hurt the, the, the conversion. Who is the, who's the author on that? It's um, by Mark Joyer, J-O-Y-N-E-R, Joyner. Joyner. Okay, great. Well, thank you. I'll uh, have to take a look at that. Now, about you, I mean, you've made quite a name for yourself as a video game developer and a programmer. Have you found that that experience has helped you or hindered you in this new endeavor? I think um, the video game industry is unbelievable for opening doors. So the, the it, it's, it's hard to explain, but um, whenever you're in the game industry, it's this leveling thing that, that um, you know, Hollywood directors play games, sports celebrities play games, um, musicians play games. And when you when you enter with that as as your as as sort of your skill set and what you do, they're very interested to, to talk to you, you know, because it's someone it's not someone they've had much time with to, to talk to actual game makers. And so they sort of see you as someone interesting. And and I, I can't tell you, I mean, I got I've had random calls like Michael Jackson wants to put, I was making the Matrix video game. Can Michael Jackson play the Matrix video game before it launches? Um, did he call you? Yeah, uh, no, his people called me. I drove Just up. Just say, hey, how Michael call me? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, and so um, I went up to uh, Neverland and and you know, wow. Him, and he ended up saying, "Can you please uh, start making a game with me?" And and that's wow, right? So, so and you go, what is going on? I mean, this happens all the time. The Wachowskis called me up to make the Matrix, and. At the time, I didn't know that The Matrix was actually one of my favorite movies of all time. I found that out later. Um, but you can imagine, it's just, and it's endless. There's no limit to the amount of situations. Um, was it this experience that kind of allowed you to be connected to a bunch of influencers? Yes, I think um, with, with influencers, what I've found is that they are very much a community. So I would find that if I invited one to my studio to take pictures of them, then they would bring other influencers with them. And I would be standing there um, thinking to myself, okay, there's some teenagers here now, um, you know, and, and, you know, with their parents and whatever, it's probably about, I don't know, six, seven people in the room, but you're, you've got 15 millions worth of followers in the room. And, and then I go to Ed Sheeran's concert at the Rose Bowl, and I'm standing there looking at the audience. The audience is enormous. I mean, it's just, it's just so many people there. And you, you go look that up, and it's probably like 60, 80,000 people. And then you go, wait, that's just 60 to 80,000, and these kids are speaking to 15 million? And, and the problem yeah, is... Mind, that, mind-boggling. mind-boggling. It's, it's mind-boggling. It's such a huge audience. And, and, and an audience that's, that needs content constantly. And so once you start to realize the, what they've signed up for, as far as you know, the, 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 the challenge to, to make compelling content consistently, it's, it's not easy. So make no mistake, it's not easy 
Um, but when they, when they do it, um, the potential I think is absolutely huge. I, I spoke to one, there's one girl um, who's a friend of my daughter's and she, um, she showed us video of when she stayed in a hotel, every surface in her hotel room was covered in makeup. Um, and what happened is some agency had found out and they got in her room and filled her room with, with, with supplies from everywhere. And think of all the makeup brands that are paying for that and thinking they're killing it. Like, oh, we're so clever. We're getting her room all filled up with makeup. But in reality, this girl doesn't wear makeup. And so she just filmed it and then left it all. And, you know, like the entire bed, every shelf, every, everything was covered in makeup. And, and, and she, th there was um, a whole bunch of girls there and, and they said to her, where did you get that backpack? And she goes, oh, I love this backpack. I, I take this backpack everywhere. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I want to be the backpack company. I don't want to yeah. be all those makeup companies. And that's yeah. the authenticity piece of this. What actually inspired us, funnily enough, was uh, Casey Neistat. Have you ever heard of him? No. Casey Neistat is a YouTuber who took a flight on Emirates Airlines and someone, someone at Emirates pointed at him and said, that's Casey Neistat, he's huge on YouTube. And they upgraded him to first class. He then made a film of what it's like to be first class on Emirates, where you're, you're taking a shower as you fly. And um, it was hilarious because he ended up through that and, and, and other videos he had the last time I looked like 120 million views. And you, you kind of go, well, hold on a minute. Wow. If, if someone hadn't pointed to him, then that would never have happened. And they wouldn't have had 120 million people going, wow, that's incredible. Right. That, that um, Emirates airline employee needs a raise. Right. But that's what Cairo does on the influencer yeah. side. We point to, we've done the 7 million times now. We point directly at the influencers and say, that's someone that, you, you know, you need to realize that you're interacting with. Yeah. What problems do you believe that Cairo is solving for your partners? And, you know, is there any competition doing this? Um, not, there's, no, there's no competition doing this, uh, th this combination of marketplace plus influencers. No, um, we're absolutely unique. And you can see the potential um, as we continue to grow. Um, so what was the other part of your question? What, what problems do you believe you're solving? Oh, um, we're, we're going to focus on those three legs. The first was attention. The second is sales, which is the, the, the cross-selling. And the third is to help them um, raise money. So that would be introducing them to investors, um, helping them if they need funding, and, um, and also... We, um, we didn't talk about that. How, how are you doing that? Well, we're not doing that yet, but that's the third piece. Of oh, the that's, coming. So, that's coming. Yeah, okay. so that's that's the obvious third piece of this, which is if we can help you with attention, sales, and potentially acquisition, or funding, or investment, um, that's that's the core needs of brands. That's you will not find a brand out there that 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 says we don't want those three things. And how is your service structured? Are people paying a subscription fee? Is it per transaction? How, how are you funding? Well, that's a great question. We, we currently take 5% of the sale. So, um, so when a sale happens, it's 5%. And if you think about that from, from um, both sides, it works out to about 2.5% per side. Um, but we did... Um, no, that's, some... a, that's the sales side. What, what about the other two pieces or at least the um, attention piece? Um, that's free. That's free. And what about the investment piece that's coming? 
Um, that would, um, I, I don't know actually what, what, um, how we would charge. We'd probably unbundle that and just charge for what people are looking for. Um, and, and in some of those, um, cases, I, I've, I've got some ideas on, on things that we could do to actually help the brands grow really rapidly. And so that's going to be, um, you know, to do with bringing in funding that, that we could share with them. So. I, I'm going to uh, I, I'm going to hold that one to my chest until we actually announce what we're up to, but I think that third piece of the puzzle will uh, will complete the thought of of building the three legs to the tripod. So, who is the perfect client for Carol? If they're out there listening, and you're like, man, you you got to get on my website and check it out. Um, the perfect one is one that that is open minded, meaning that they're. I've had some people that that are are like we sell one thing like like baby food and and we're not willing to to add anything else and and we're like but your website has a baby on it with a bib you, you can't tell me no one's asked where can i buy that bib right <laughs> and there's, there's always like you can look at your own site and see what what's in your photographs you probably want to consider that so the perfect one is the brands that realize that that um as they sort of build their brand they can sort of complete their vision. So we've had um, a clothing brand said to us, well, you know, we really don't want to be known for just the clothing we make. We actually want to be known for the weekend. So we'd like to be including, um, you know, backyard games and blankets and all of these things. So we, our brand starts to mean the weekend. And so you have to sort of ask yourself, what's your vision for your brand? But if, if they're interested in growing their average order value and they're open to adding and testing products, it doesn't mean they have to sell that product forever. They can they can do a deal and put their logo on it in the future, or they can go make that product because you know what that's selling. Um, but we want them to be open minded enough to actually um, really want to grow and sort of build out the the more complete version of their original vision. And how can an interested listener, whether they're perfect or not, learn more about working with you and Easy. working with Carol? Yeah, the easy way is actually just to go to um, to, to getcaro.com and they can install the product right away. So there's no, um, you know, it, it's free to, to, to try it out. And if they want, uh, what I would actually recommend is that they contact us at hello at getcaro.com and, and mention that, that they heard this podcast and, um, and we will give them VIP um, treatment. So we will go nice. out of our way to try to help them out. Well, that's great. Well, thank you. I will put that in the show notes. Now, anything else you would like to add before we wrap it up today? No, that's it. This is this this has been fun. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you. All right. Well, for listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Carol or connecting with David, you'll find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our all-new podcast resource center available at www.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all the different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any services I have discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. 
The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing. 